0: Welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word in Orlando. Awesome Alan Dempsey does our engineering each weekend. Yes, he does. And Andrew Herdliska produces this show each weekend for us. Scott George joins me in this first segment, Senior Pastor of Pinecastle United Methodist Church right here in Orlando also the founder of United Against Poverty in Downtown Orlando his new book is out Abundant Living Manifesto. Hi Scott, how are you? Uh,
1: hello, Paul. thanks for having me today.
0: What is Abundant Living Manifesto mean?
1: Well, it's it's, it's another word for blessed living. So, uh, as you know, John Pattinson, we can have abundant life. And so for the past couple of years, I've been just looking at what it means to live abundantly. My previous book was Living 365 and really just discovering and getting an understanding that uh, God wants us to be blessed. In fact, the first words He spoke to mankind, ironically, was the word blessed. He blessed Adam and Eve. And then uh, in Matthew, the first words out of Christ's mouth, and the Sermon on the Mount was the word blessed. So that's a pretty important word, and I'm just trying to get the message out that God wants us to live abundant living, and he wants us to be blessed so that we can make a difference in our world.
0: Our old friend Jabez Bez uh, takes up your first seven chapters. Uh, tell me about Jabez.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's um, one of the most Powerful prayers in the Old Testament. Jabez was a little-known character that came on the scene with a with a powerful uh, prayer that God, would you please bless me and enlarge my territory so that I can make a difference in my world. So the first half of the book is focused on the prayer of Jabez, which is the most famous prayer, and then the second half of the book is the most famous sermon by Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. They have one thing in common. They both talk about blessed living or abundant living, and that is the manifesto that uh, God wants us to live by. By the way, you know, a manifesto is a public declaration of intent, purposes, or plans. So I believe that J. kind of kicks the book off by really helping us to uh, begin to understand what it means to live uh, a blessed life or abundant living.
0: Chapter One: I'm resolved to fight with honor when life is tough. That's First Chronicles four nine. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Uh, tell us about that chapter.
1: Yeah, um, blessed living isn't always pretty because there is some pain. Jabez, his name is pain. And so, in this life, you know, we're not trying to a- avoid pain or, or try to sugarcoat it. Pain is a reality. And uh, Jabez uh, dealt with his pain honorably. And Pat, as you know, uh, we're all going to have pain. You know, In this life, Jesus said we're going to have trouble. So it's really how you navigate through that pain and work through that pain that will really determine your future and your destiny. So Jabez is pain. And in that chapter, I really try to motivate people to resolve their pain and do it with. And uh, that chapter is a really, really a great chapter. It kind of kicks off uh, the whole book. I'm add every chapter has a video at the end of, of, of every chapter. It has devotions uh, at the end of every chapter. And we have a soundtrack that was written just for this book. So it's called The Abundant Living Soundtrack. And it's worship music that you can listen to while you are doing the devotions at the end of every chapter.
0: Let's move to the second topic. I'm in pain. I'm calling you for help. First Chronicles four ten, Jabez cried out to the Lord. Fill us in.
1: Yeah. So when when you're confronted with pain or hardship or trouble, who do you turn to? I mean there's there's some people that they you know they turn to alcohol, they turn to drugs, they turn to sex, they turn to other things, but turn to the blueprint by crying out uh, to the Lord. There's a great quote in that chapter by Thomas Paine. It says, The real man smiles in trouble, gathers strength from distress, and grows brave by reflection. So I really am motivated uh, the, uh, the listeners and the readers to, to, to uh, in the midst of pain, you've got to know where to look to, and you've got to run to God and look to Him, and I give some really good steps on how to uh, confront pain, Deal with it honorably, call on the Lord, and let him help you walk through the pain that you deal with
0: in life. Pastor Scott George, right here in Orlando, he's our guest. We're talking about his book, Abundant Living Manifesto. Third topic, I'm believing you can bless me today so I can be a blessing. First Chronicles 4.10, oh, that you would bless me.
1: That That, that sounds pretty selfish, doesn't it, Pat?
0: yeah interesting.
1: you know, God bless me, but but um, I really believe that we can't be a blessing until we're blessed. And so Jabez just profoundly says, "God, I'm asking you that you would that you would bless me so that I could be a blessing." And so abundant living is asking God to bless you so that you uh, can be a blessing." And I, I did a little bit of research and I went back to an old hymn that uh, all of us know, written by Thomas Cain. Mm. and it's Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. We sung that in church, we sing it in church every single Sunday all around the world, but we really need a revelation that blessings flow from God. So Jay Bez was right on the mark when he said, God, I want you to bless me so that I can be a blessing. And I use a great prayer that has been recited as well for hundreds of thousands of years uh, where Moses told Aaron, say this prayer to the people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So we've heard that prayer, but many times certainly don't say it. So this chapter Encourages the readers to ask God to bless them, so that they can be a blessing and make an impact uh, in our world.
0: Scott, the next topic I want you to talk about. I'm intent on believing for bigger opportunities, so I can change the world. First Chronicles four ten, enlarge my territory.
1: Yeah, this is a this is a great chapter, and it it it, it talks about uh, Abraham. Who Abraham was was locked up in his tent, and he was complaining, and moaning, and groaning uh, about wanting to be a father. He was a hundred years old; his wife Sarah was ninety years old, but but he was confined in his tent. And because he was contained in that tent, he lost vision. And the story there uh, is really really interesting. In Genesis, it says that. God came down to Abraham, and he brought him out of the tent. I like that. Why did God bring Abraham out of the tent? He said to Abraham, I want you to look up, and I want you to count the stars. God knew that Abraham was confined, and his vision was confined, and he wasn't going to be the father of many nations living in his tent. So he brought him out. He says, "I want you to look up, and I want you to count the stars. I want you to, I want you to do business. I want you to see things the way I see things." And he told Abraham to look up, and he inspired Abraham to believe that he would be the father of many nations. And so, he are enlarging in our territory. God, what do you want? What do you want me to do? How do you want? How do you want me to make a difference? What do you want me to do with my life? God, help me to see things the way you see them and help me to live an abundant life so that I can make an impact in this world.
0: My guest is Scott George. We've got another segment with Scott coming up. And uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to have Scott talk about the fifth principle here, uh, which is, I'm asking for your presence to be with me so I can help others. That's First Chronicles 4.10. Let your hand be with me. Just a reminder... This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We gather like this every weekend, and we're always very pleased when you plug in with us. Uh, you're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, uh, booming out across Central Florida, down the I-4 Carter each way, and uh, we always like to remind you that faith comes by hearing. Uh, we'll be right back. My guest is Scott George here in Orlando. We're talking about his book, "Abundant Living Manifesto." And as advertised, Scott, uh, I'm asking for your presence to be with me so I can help others. First Chronicles 4:10: "Let your hand be with me.":
1: Yeah, what a great request. Um, Jabez cried out in pain and said, "I want you to bless me, and by the way, I need your hand to be on me." Now, for some people, that may sound kind of uh, kind of interesting, but I'm very familiar with this. My grandma, who was a, a really a very, she was a saint, she was a praying grandma, she would put her hands on my head every morning, and she would pray that God would bless me, and then she would say, God, keep your hand upon Scott George. Hmm. So I understand that principle, and it, it's in the Bible. This uh, This chapter talks about Ezra who was asked to do an impossible situation. He was asked to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He said this in Ezra chapter 7, because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage. I like that. And so like Jabez, Ezra said, hey, I'll do what you asked me to do, God. I'll live the abundant life and do things that are seemingly impossible, but I've got to have your hand upon my life. And uh, if we're going to make a difference in this world, we have to have men and women and believers who believe that God's hand can be on us to accomplish the impossible. And Jabez cried out for it, Ezra cried out for it, and I really hope that when the readers read this chapter, that they will leave with a real hunger to have God's hand on their life, because we can't do the impossible in our own strength, in our own power, and our own wisdom. We need to have the hand of God on our lives. I call it the X factor. And when you hear someone or see someone or encounter them, when God's hand is on them, you know it. You can sense it. You can feel it. And we need believers and Christians to walk in that power so that we can make change in this world, because it's not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And that happens when God's hand is on our lives.
0: Uh, next topic. I'm living in a dirty world, heaven help me to stay clean, First Chronicles 4.10, keep me from
1: evil. Yeah, Jabez uh knew that to live the abundant life, he was going to be confronted with evil. We live in a very, very unclean world, and the enemy, uh, the Bible says, it, is crouching at the door, is waiting for... Uh, opportunities, and, 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 and Jabez said, I, I want you to keep me from evil. So in this chapter I, I talk very specifically about how to keep from evil, and I use the story of David and Bathsheba. Uh, David was not on the, uh, the front lines in battle like he was supposed to be. He remained back in Jerusalem, and he happened to go out on his porch and saw Bathsheba, and you know the rest of the story. Uh, he could have been kept from evil if he would have been doing what was he, what he was supposed to be doing. And so this chapter talks about how we can uh, stay clean in a very evil world and how we can avoid the traps that are set for us so that we can live a life of purity and holiness and righteousness, and we can keep from evil and continue to do, do good in this world. That you know many. There's so many leaders, Christian leaders and pastors and businessmen that, that fall morally. And um, if we're going to make a real impact in our world, we have got to cry out like Jabez, God help me. Keep me from evil, because evil is out there, and we have to recognize it, be aware of it, and navigate through the traps that have been set for us.
0: Next topic: I'm praying with all my heart. Please answer me. First Chronicles 4:10. God granted his request.
1: Yeah, this this, this chapter talks uh, about Daniel and how about Daniel really cried out to the Lord and asked God to uh, to help him. Prayer by, by by saying God grant my request and it says that God granted His qu- His prayer. So when we cry out, when we pray, when we ask God to help us, the obstacles to our prayers and what keeps us from time, uh, our prayers not being answered. And the Bible is filled uh, with uh, examples. This chapter is filled, and I, I call it the Ten Obstacles to un- uh, to Unanswered Prayers. What are the things that keep us? getting our prayers answered. And it's everything from strife in your home to uh, ignoring the poor, lack of persistence. I give ten commandments there of how to remove obstacles so that you can have prayer answered in your life.
0: Now uh, we swing over, you uh, change now, the Jesus Abundant Life Living Manifesto. So let's start with I'm not sure I can do this, please help me, I need you, Matthew 5-3, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, explain that to us, Scott.
1: Yeah, so now we shift from the Old Testament and the prayer of Jabez, and now we shift over to the, the, the greatest sermon ever preached, and it was by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, and by the way, the first word of that sermon is blessed. So it's a continuation from the Old Testament into the New Testament. The same thing that God said over Adam and Eve. Now Jesus says to us, and it starts with the word "blessed." So the first step in living the abundant life is to be poor in spirit, and that really means to be a beggar, to be to be a destitute, to to ask God like a like a beggar asks for food or help. We are poor in spirit. We are God for his wisdom, his strength, his insight. Uh, We can't have the attitude that we've arrived, that we got it all together. We need to have that poor mentality that looks to God for strength and wisdom so that we can live the abundant life that's been promised to us.
0: Uh, Then I want to move on uh, to, I'm hurting badly, but I'm ready to bounce back. Matthew five four, blessed are those who mourn.
1: Yeah, Jesus, just like Jabez, identifies that, that if you're going to live the abundant life, it doesn't mean you're you're going to avoid pain. So Jabez confronted pain. Jesus talks about blessed are those who mourn. So when you go through hardship, when you go through trouble, uh, how do you respond? How do you react? Uh, how do you let it affect you? And so, um, I walk uh, the readers through this chapter. I call them the five mourn. How do you how do you mourn properly? Number one, have candor. You got to be honest with yourself. Number two, you got to complain. You got to uh, open with them. And be honest with them. Number three, you got to cry. You got to ask for help. Number four, you've got to have a time of comfort to receive God's comfort. And love this one. Number five. You've got to console. You, can you to turn your mourning into helping other people who are mourning, because that is what abundant life is. God walks you through a mourning process. He walks you through hardship. He walks you through trouble. And he does that so that you can reach back and help other people who are going through hardship. So when, when, the, when we cry out, blessed are those who mourn, God will give us the strength to get through the pain that we're facing, but he also gives us the wisdom to reach back and help other people who are hurting as well.
0: Scott George, he's written a terrific book, Abundant Living Manifesto, and uh, here's the next one I want you to talk about, Scott. I'm going to remain calm in the middle of chaos and spread peace to everyone. Matthew five five, blessed are the meek.
1: Yeah, here's uh, the story of Moses, who was uh, the Bible says was one of the meekest leaders of all. He was leading five million people. And I really encourage the people in this chapter to recognize that meekness is not weakness. That meekness is really power under control. And when you are a good leader, like Moses, there is going to be stress. There's going to be anxiety. There's going to be hardship. And you've got to maintain that pressure under control, and that when you're meek, It doesn't mean you're weak. It just means that you are in control, and you're allowing God's Spirit to help you to live a life of meekness. And so I give um, uh, some really good points on all we need to know about meekness, what it means to be meek. By the way, meekness is a fruit of the Spirit, so if we are going to follow the Holy Spirit, we need to have that meekness in us, that we are not uh, weak, but we have power, and it's under control.
0: And now, let's get to this topic. I'm determined to live right and do good in a bad world. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness.
1: Yeah, great uh, great chapter about uh, having a drive and a passion uh, for rightness, for living right, for bringing rightness into our world. So Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. That means uh, you're, you're, you're passionate about the things that are right. And I talk about when Jesus went into the temple and things weren't right and how he stood up for rightness. And, and, and what happens uh, when you stand up for righteousness? There's going to be opposition. There's going to be people that don't view the thing, things the same way you do. So I walk the readers through in this chapter, really, uh, how to stand up for rightness, how to stand up for righteousness, and uh, to live their life to honor God so that they can make a difference in their world. Scott,
0: the next topic, Scott G- George is our guest, I'm committed to living my life by treating others with grace. Matthew 5-7 Blessed are the merciful.
1: Yeah, we we need more grace and more mercy in the world. I mean, we see what's happening uh, politically uh, in our culture, and there's a lot of judgment there's not much grace, and you know the, the one of the world's most famous songs is Amazing Grace. And this song, this uh, chapter talks about uh, showing grace, showing mercy to people. There's a great story in the Old Testament about King David, and uh, one of Saul's uh, descendants was Bathsheba, and he was living in an obscure town. He was crippled, and and this story talks about how David, King David, brought Bathsheba. Into his palace says that every day Mephibosheth ate at the king's table, and that story, and the principle that Christ tells us to to to, be, to live an abundant life. You can't be critical. You can't be judgmental. You can't be argumentative. You need to live a life that is full of grace. And just as grace was extended to us in all of our relationships, we need to extend grace to other people. And I think that will help change the culture that we're living in, and you can live the abundant life promised when you live by grace and not judgment.
0: Now, let's talk about, I'm resolved to live clean on the inside and let it ripple outside to others. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart.
1: Yeah, this is a great, uh, great, Point that Jesus brings out, blessed are the pure heart. I, I talk about the story of Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He wanted to see Jesus, and because of the crowd, he couldn't. He couldn't see Jesus, so he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And you know the story, Pat. Jesus walked and it says he reached the spot, and he looked up, and he saw Zacchaeus. He said, "Zacchaeus, come down." Zacchaeus was a, a tax collector. He was not well-respected, people didn't like him, and Jesus went to his house, and Zacchaeus repented, and changed, and said he was going to pay back everything that he, that he stole, and, and Jesus said, today salvation comes uh, to your house. Um, it's interesting, the word Zacchaeus, his name means pure. He wanted to see Jesus, and Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they are going to see God. So I talk about how to live in a dirty world, how to live clean and how to live a life of purity, and and got uh, some great stories, and great uh, illustrations of how I call it purity one hundred and one. How you can live pure in a in an unclean world.
0: Now uh, let's talk about one more. I'm set on being a bridge builder, not a wall maker. Matthew five nine. Blessed are the peacemakers.
1: Yeah, we need. Uh, more peacemakers in the world. Not wall builders, but uh, peacemakers. And that doesn't mean that you're going to agree all of the time. There's going to be people that disagree. There's going to be people that don't see things different. Or that go to see things differently than you do. Like Jesus said, if you want to live the abundant life, then you need to wake up and pursue peacemaking. I think there's some people that wake up every morning and their prayer is, uh, God, help me to judge people today. God, help me to cause, help me to, uh, to, 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 to judge people and, and to cause conflict. And Jesus says the abundant life is that when you wake up in the morning, your focus is on being a peacemaker and getting along with people and bringing unity. And So this chapter ends the book by just giving the Ten Commandments of Peacekeeping and how you can live them instead of building walls and divisions how you can live life uh, of making peace with others. And when you do that, you will get a glimpse of what it means to live the abundant life that's promised to all of us.
0: Scott George has been our guest. We've got more. On the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, this is 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Uh, we'll be right back. Scott George, our guest in that first segment. Uh, Tilly Dillahag is with us. She's in the suburbs of Nashville. A host of the Green Workshop, and her new book is out. And very interestingly, it's called Seeing Green, Don't Let Envy Color Your Joy. Tilly, welcome. How are you?
2: I'm well. It's good to be with you.
0: Is envy a problem?
2: I think it is a problem. Uh, I know it's been a problem for me and from the people that I've talked to Um in the church and out of the church, I think it's a problem for most people.
0: Well, you uh, take 12 chapters to develop it, so let's get right into the action here, Tilly. You open your book yeah. with a question. What is glory, and what does envy have to do with it? Boy, that's interesting. Can you explain all that? Yes,
2: yeah, so... um I first started thinking about this book when I read an essay by C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
2: And that essay is called The Weight of Glory. But um, basically, what I started to think about, I I realized that envy was a huge problem in my own life. It was interfering with some of my closest relationships, with my sisters specifically and with a couple of my close friends. And um, I just, I couldn't understand why the envy was so very painful and why it, it seemed to strike so to the heart of, um, of who I was and, and my, just my worth as a person to have other people better than I was in ways that really mattered to me. Um, so I started thinking about this in terms of glory, in terms of the fact that everybody that we meet, because they're made in the image of God, they possess trace amounts of the glory of God. Um, so these show up in um, very obvious ways, like their physical beauty. Um, it shows up in their personality, in their intelligence, in their creativity, um, in their competence in work. Um, and even and even for some of them, just in the, the healthiness of their relationships, you know, family relationships and, and friends and things. So I just, I started looking around me and seeing these glories in the people around me. And to understand that the pain that I was experiencing um, had to do with my response to the glories in other people. I had sisters who were very musically talented, and um, it was a a great pain for me to go to their concerts for a long time, and I couldn't understand why um, until I began to see. The problem was I wanted to have the glory that they had, and I wanted to be talented the way that they were talented. Um, so once I started looking through this lens of glory, um, it just it helped me at least to have a starting place for attacking the envy or at least understanding it.
0: That leads us to this topic: the unbearable inequality. Understanding envy. What are you teaching us here, Tilly?
2: Yeah. So this is just basically talking more about the glories and about the fact that if we all had the exact same glories in the same amount, Um, if we'd all been gifted in the same ways, we wouldn't deal with envy, uh, because we would all be equal. But we would also be a very boring world, and it's not the way that God made the world. He intentionally put inequalities into His creation. So our job is to understand why and to um, learn how to live with that, and and to even, by the end of the book, I talk about us learning to love that and to enjoy that because um, it's the way he made this world.
0: Yeah. Uh, I want you to get to the third interesting topic, borrowed dust, the envy of the body. What does that mean?
2: Yes, yeah, so the next seven chapters in the book are go into specific glories. Um, I chose seven that I'd seen that I thought were especially associated with envy. Um, and, you know, you could probably find more. It's not like I found this list from um, there. But I, the first one I dealt with was the body just because that's sort of most external and most obvious one. It was one that was a big struggle for me. Um, I tell the story in the book about just being a teenager and, you know, the, the awkward time we all go through, but, but going on into young adulthood and struggling with bulimia for a while and just how envy of other people's bodies was mixed up in that. So when I say borrowed dust, what I mean is that, you know, we are made of dust, basically, and in the body is is a pretty temporary um, glory to be to be envying, given that we all age and we, and then eventually die. But I also talk about in that chapter just the fact that um, it is a real glory—the glory of health of a healthy body and a, and even a beautiful body. It's a real—it's a real thing. It's not imaginary. Um, and the fact that we all will in the new heavens and the new earth will be restored. Um, to full health in our body, so uh, just a, a way of kind of putting putting each of these stories in their place. We want to we don't want to disregard them as if they're not real, but we also don't want to place too high importance on them. Uh, so the body's definitely a good example of that. Um, then the the chapter after that is uh, just goes into into the next of the stories: barred magnet, uh, the envious charm, and influence.
0: What 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 can and, you tell? What can you yeah. tell us about that one?
2: Yeah, so that's that's just purely the the glory that is uh, a great personality. One of these magnetic personalities they draw you in, um, either because they're very funny or because they are um, maybe very very honest. You know, a very very frank person is sometimes super attractive to us, um, or maybe they're just one of these happy people. They're they're cheerful all the time, and it's so attractive. So this is the glory um, of a magnetic personality.
0: Well, we've, and, ta- <laughs> yeah. we've talked about borrowed dust, borrowed magnets. Mm-hmm. Uh, telly, yes. tell us about borrowed ideas, the envy of the intellect.
2: Yeah, so this is another glory. This is the glory of the mind, um, and it's palpable. Um when you meet someone who is clearly operating on a higher, a higher decibel than you are mentally, um, you can feel you can feel that power kind of underneath the, the conversation. And in that chapter, I will talk a little bit about just the fact. Um, well, for many people, this is something that matters a lot in school. And after we get out of school, it may not so much. But um, but some of us stay in a circle where it does matter. You know, maybe you have peers who are very good with words, or you have um, you have a job where your your mental level really really matters and can help you get ahead. And you could you could find that envy of intellect would still be in play well into your adulthood. You know, just all these things, these these glories, there will be a greater struggle to us if there's something that we really value. Um, and usually we're more likely to envy something if we have a little bit of it, and we encounter someone who has more of it. So it, it often, it's, uh, envy really operates among peers. I found. Does that make sense?
0: It sure does, Tilly. Tilly Dillhay, our guest, the book "Seeing Green." Uh, tell us about borrowed money—the envy of options.
2: Yeah, so I, I call I call um, the glory of money options, because that's really what money gives us. It's not that many of us are envious over those those green pieces of paper um, or even numbers in a bank, but we may envy the lifestyle that money affords somebody else. Um, and, you know, this could be a big deal or, or a small deal to you, depending on what you think about money, but um, I find that it's usually a problem with me if, if it's combined with one of the other glories that I really care about. You know, my, if I'm already envying my cousin because she um, is, is beautiful and creative, it may be an extra thing when I see that she went on a great vacation, you know. Um, or, or my friend who just married a really wonderful man, when I see her move into this beautiful house, it may be an, an extra problem because of those other glories already present. But, you know, for somebody whose money is, is a great pursuit of their life, Um, this could be a central problem, could be a central struggle, the envy of options.
0: Tilly, I want you to move to the next topic. It's called Borrowed Art, Uh, the Envy of Creativity.
2: Yes. So this is um, pretty straightforward. It's the envy of creative um, ability, talent. And um, in each of these chapters, I, I open probably the first half of each of these chapters is just illustration of what I mean by this glory, what it looks like and smells like in real life. And then the second half of each of these chapters on the glory, um, just delves into what we see in scripture about, about each of the glory. So, what I have to say about the, the glory of creativity is that every creative person is a storyteller, um, it made in the image of God who is the great storyteller. And so each of us are telling a story with our words, or with our paint, or with our fabric, or whatever it is that we're doing or making. Um, we're we're saying something about the nature of the universe, and we're either doing it really well or not doing it so well. But but that's what we're doing. So when we meet someone else, um, another Christian who's an artist and telling their story better than we are, our response should be to cheer because they are. They're in effect, they're fighting on our team You know, They're telling the same story that we're telling Um, So just kind of Resetting our our Vision of what it is that the artist is for And um, How we can operate with other Artistic people
0: Tilly Dillahay Our guest, the book Seeing Green Borrowed Tasks The Envy of Competence and Control Uh, Fill us in on that Tilly
2: Okay. Um, So this is the the glory of having it together, basically, being able to do things well and quickly and effectively. And um, if you're a person who kind of went through life a little bit more, um, it can be very difficult to work alongside or live alongside someone who's really got it together. And that looks very different, I think, depending on your circle, maybe you're a man or a woman, all of that. But um, the main thing that and I, I, I opened that chapter with another illustration from my own life um, where there was a good friend of mine I grew up with who was just uh, a absolutely uh, almost like a machine in terms of, of what she could get done and, and the smoothness of her life, and I was just, I craved that smoothness in my own life, um, but I guess the main thing to understand about competence is that it is like all these other glories, it's a gift from God. It's something I mean, that's sort of given to us and it's something to be grateful for. And, um, and one of the, the great antidotes to envy in this area is just to put your hands to the sky and, and really, really look heaven to the Lord, uh, with all your might and, and the knowledge that you're doing your, your absolute best is, um, is really a great stab to the heart in, in terms of envy of this place. So. Uh, that's what I have to
0: say about that. Let's move to but, bar, let's borrow move to borrowed trinity, uh, the envy of okay. relationship. What's that mean?
2: Yeah, so this is the, the final of the seven glories that I deal with. Mm-hmm. This is the glory of healthy relationship with other people. Um and I really I I call it um a gifted glory because although we can be better or worse at, at carrying on our relationships, and that really matters. Um, in, in a real sense, God gives us this, this story as well. Um, we may not be able to see who our parents were. We may not be able to control what our children do. We may not be able to, you know, we pick spouse, but we don't know what, what they're going to turn into over the course of, you know, 50 years. So, this is a gift that God gives, and it's a gift that He can also take away. And when you see, when you, when you have a, a painful relationship in your life and you see someone else who, um, you know, their marriage is great or their children are blessing them or uh, they're still really close to their parents, it can be very painful to see and very easy to envy that relationship. Um, I talk about the in, the inner ring a little bit in this chapter. It's another CFS, um reference. But uh, just the, the fact that we have been cut out of, of, of our intimacy, our, our closest intimacy with God. And we really we crave to be let back in. So, this desire for healthy relationships is, is one of the strongest we experience. And, and because of that, it can be one of the most painful versions of envy. So.
0: Tilly Dillahay is our guest, host of the Green Workshop, author of Seeing Green. We're talking about her book. we got to take a break here. Uh, just a reminder. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. And remember, faith comes by hearing. When we come back, Tilly Dillahay is going to talk about the next topic in her book, Put Off, Put On, is the name of the chapter. Uh, We'll be right back. Tilly Dillahay is our guest. We're talking about her book, Seeing Green, and Tilly has advertised the next topic. Put off, put on. Uh, what does all that mean?
2: Yeah, so this is um, this is a chapter that's just on the nuts and bolts of fighting with envy, of grappling envy, and there are four main main ways that I suggest um, virtues that I suggest putting on. In the process of putting off the sin of envy. Um, the first of those is love, and there's some very practical things praying for the person you are envying, um, enjoying the glory of the person you're envying, really gazing on it, and uh, and learning to just have eyes that, that rejoice with the glory as you're seeing it. So that's, that's under the heading of loving as a way of fighting envy. Um, another one is, um, Working hard, just basically recognizing what God has given you to do, and kind of hoeing your own row uh, as a way of fighting envy, because it's it's satisfying to know that you're that you're doing what you've been given to do. Um, not not their thing, not his thing, not her thing, but your thing to do. And um, another of the of the uh, virtues is putting on humility as you put off envy. And then the final one is putting on transparency, and that is a section that deals with how to confess envy, um, confessing it to God, and and deciding whether you need to confess it even to the person that you're struggling with envying, which is very difficult to do, but um, and and not something to do in every single case, but but definitely a question to ask: should you should you be dealing with the relationship that way? So
0: now I want you to talk about. Uh, this interesting topic, the eyes that matter why we need god 's approval after all
2: yes um, so this this circles back around to the essay that I talked about at the very beginning um, and and um, the idea that we we are hungry for god 's eyes to look on us and to approve of us. Um, We're hungry for these glories and to be glorious, Um, but there is a sense in which that's a legitimate hunger, and it's a hunger that God intends to fill with himself. And um, not only that, but because of the work of Christ, there will be a day when we stand before God and he looks at us with actual uh, pleasure and actual delight, and it will be the answer to um, all these, these lesser glories that we chase in this day and age um so that's that's a really crucial thing to cast your eyes on and in, in the, the fighting of envy to look at the day that um that all these glories will be swallowed up in him and then return to us um but in a different way
0: now i want you to talk about the glory you will wear forever explain that to us
2: yes yeah, so that's just a that chapter kind of paints a picture of us in, in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth, and um, there, there are so many scriptures that reference this glory, um, the glory of Jesus Christ, but also the glory that He intends to lavish on His people and on on His um, His younger siblings, which is us. Um, so I talk about the fact that we'll be able to be in His presence um be able to gaze at God's glory unscathed and worship it. That that will be one of our glories. Um, The fact that we're going to be kind of, kind of like um, we'll have a job in heaven of sort of chief worshipers, all of us and uh, whatever that looks like, it means that we'll be in a, in a kind of authority and, um, and we'll be, we'll be enjoying um, a role that we have in this, a new heaven and a new earth that is um, a fulfillment of I think the desire that we have now for a job to do that is the fulfillment of our uh, our abilities and our um, I guess just that that glory that we hunger for. So that's what that whole chapter is about. Tilly will wear forever.
0: At the end of your book, uh, you yes. raise a, another question: Happiness is the best revenge. Question mark? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. fill, fill us in. What does that mean?
2: Yeah. So I, you've heard that that phrase. That it's kind of a worldly phrase, but um, happiness is the best revenge. I guess uh, the idea being that if you if you uh, have an enemy, the best way to get back at them is to uh, have a great life, basically, and to be happy. Um, so I just I take that and and say, is there is there a way? That this can be true, um, even for the Christian, and I think it's, it is very true. I think that when we turn to Christ and find our full full um, our joy in Him, we it will be the best revenge. Not because we will actually be revenged on those people that we're envying, but because when we find that joy in Him and in who He has made us to be, we no longer need revenge. Um, it's turned to love for those that we have envied. And I've seen this, and this is not um, just an idea on a page for me. This is an experience that I've had with my own, with my sisters, uh, which that was the opening illustration in the book, um, and with other friends who I've had to confess envy to, I find that the Lord has really taken that envy and, and converted it to love for them and um, an intimacy with them that's been restored through this process, so... Um, This isn't just uh, theoretical for me. It's very real.
0: What do you want uh, readers and listeners to take from all of this?
2: Um, I guess I I want them to know that envy doesn't need to live on unaddressed, and it isn't just the way things are. That obviously when we hear good things happening to other people, we don't like it. Uh, I don't think that it has to be that way. Um, but I do think it's it's something that um, we need Christ to really battle in a real in a real way.
0: I'm interested in uh, this part of your life, host of the Green Workshop. Mm-hmm. What, what's that about?
2: Yeah, so that's just an event um, that I I let a local church um, host it and organize it, and it, usually we do it as a half day event for women where women come together, and I. I teach them about these things in the book, and we do a lot of um, circle discussion and and just really talking these things out. Um, But it's just for women, so it's um, it's a very kind of intimate um, setting. But it's in the local church, so it's women who already know each other from their church.
0: What's next for you, Tilly? Uh,
2: Well, I'm I'm working on another book.
0: Are you? um, What's it about? uh,
2: well, it's about, it's about food, actually. Um, it's about eating to the glory of God and just some of the pitfalls that I see Christian women falling into um, in, in, around food, uh, snobbery and asceticism um, and gluttony, as we all know, and uh, apathy. I, just, I think that food can be such a joyful thing and a community-building thing, and um, that's what the book is about.
0: When's it coming out?
2: I haven't I haven't even I haven't even brought it to the publishers yet. So okay. So, in the
0: incubation. <laughs> well, when it's ready, uh we definitely need to talk about that because, okay. because food is a big issue particularly to Christians. Yeah. Uh, uh, where where everywhere we go, uh we are served uh, healthy donuts. Mm-hmm. And uh we are served uh Cream pies, and we are served the best cooking from every lady. And uh, that's what we feast on at Christian gatherings. And uh, I don't know where all that started, Tilly, but uh, it it sure leads to some extra pounds, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: My guest has been Tilly Dillahay. Tilly, thanks a million. So good to visit with you, and I'm so glad we could visit.
2: Yeah, great talking to you, Pat.
0: The book Seeing Green, it's a good read. Uh, Just a reminder uh, that this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, We gather like this every weekend, uh, right here on 94.9 FM, and AM 950, The Word, and we always like to remind you that faith comes by hearing. Uh, We will have a wrap-up for you. We always do that here at the end of the show. Uh, It takes one minute to wrap everything up, and... Uh, send you on your way. So uh, stay with us. Uh, By the way, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. And check out my most recent book. It's called Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. It's a real nice look at uh, the great coach, John Wooden. Uh, We'll be right back. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday power hour in that first segment, uh, local pastor, Scott George was with us uh, talking about his book, abundant living manifesto. And then uh, Tilly Dillahay, don't you love that name? Got a great nickname for her. We'll just call her till Dill. Anyway, uh, host of the green workshop and author of the book, seeing green Tilly was with us. And, uh, I want to encourage you folks to have a wonderful day in church tomorrow with your family. And then, an even better week ahead, Uh, the weather, oh my, it is perfect. This is why we all live in Central Florida, right, for these times of years. So uh, enjoy it. And we'll uh, catch up with you next weekend right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word